Hello, this is Ali, welcoming you to the 2,231st edition of the Enfield Talking Newspaper, dateline 16th of February 2023. The readers this week are Ali, Mary and Chris, and the production and distribution team, with Hass on the controls, the editor was the team, and the distribution team is the same, are the same people. Our title music is Country Rock Polka, composed by Pat Prie, Fernand Bouillon, Harry Breuer, and performed by Jean-Jacques Perret, and is used with his kind permission. The local news stories that we will be reading from come from the Enfield Independent and Enfield Dispatch, and are their copyright. The event's information has been collated by us from other sources. The lead story this week is Tower Block Fails Safety Tests. Before the news, we have one or two special news items and notices. First, the sunrise and sunset times for the, for the week beginning 16th of February are 07.59 and 16.21. We also have some special notices from Enfield Vision and Age UK. Enfield Vision. We are a group of visually impaired people determined to improve the environment and to reduce the everyday problems of blind and partially sighted people. We are registered with the Charity Commission as an organisation with the specific aim of promoting the well-being of visually impaired people living in Enfield. We hold a drop-in morning on the third Thursday of each month from 10am to 1pm at Park Avenue Resource Centre, Bushill Park, Enfield. Some dates for the next few months are Thursday 16th of March, Thursday 20th of April and Thursday 18th of April and we'll give you future dates in the coming weeks. Enfield Age UK is funded by the London Borough of Enfield to deliver ICAN service. That's I-C-A-N. ICAN is a consortia led by Age UK Enfield with ATTEND, Alpha Care Specialists and Enfield Career Centre. Tea and Chatter is a fun, informal group for all to meet up, learn new things and meet new people. Led by ICANN Navigators, they are held in the borough libraries and are held monthly at different venues. There is something for everyone, and the guest speakers, topics and themes are determined by the participants. They're free to attend, and you'll always have a cup of tea or coffee and refreshments at our events. We do like to get out into the wider community, so throughout the year, we arrange pub lunches or outings and end the year with a party or event. Sound good? We'd love to meet you. For more information, call 0208 375 4120. And they meet the first Thursday of the month from 10am to 12 at Enfield Town Library. Do get in touch with us to share your own news and special announcements. We love to hear from you. If you have any comments about the Enfield Talking newspaper, please phone Diane de Jersey on 07899854582. She is your listener's representative and will be pleased to help you. Now, Chris will read the first item of local news. Tower Block Failed Safety Tests Plan to switch off gas supply 
brought forward to end of February for 18-storey Shropshire House in Edmonton. Enfield Council has brought forward plans to switch off the gas supply to an Edmonton tower block that failed structural safety tests. Shropshire House, an 18-storey block on the Shires estate, is set to have its gas supply switched off by the end of the month after the council dropped controversial plans to wait a whole year before cutting the supply. Built during the 1960s using the large panel system, a cut-price construction method which involved assembling large panels manufactured off-site, the block was deemed to be at risk of collapse in the event of an internal gas explosion after failing tests carried out in response to the Grenfell Tower tragedy. Following the tests, gas distributor Cadent told the Civic Centre the supply to the block would be cut off on June 27th this year, but the company later agreed to extend the date to January 23, 2024, to allow the building to be connected to the council-owned Energetic Heat Network, which is supplied by energy from the Edmonton incinerator. Work to connect the block to the heat network would have been eligible for up to 1.2 million of grant funding from the energy contractor under a government-backed scheme. However, a council spokesperson has now told the local democracy reporting service that the authority has instead decided to install electrical heating and boilers at Shropshire House, meaning the gas supply will be cut off by the end of February, providing the works go to plan. Cheshire House, another 18-storey block on the estate, was also due to have its gas supply turned off in January 2024, after it failed structural safety tests. But the supply had to be switched off urgently in November after a leak was discovered. It led to residents being forced to wash in outdoor shower blocks during December's cold snap. A council spokesman said, The priority for Enfield Council is to ensure all our homes are safe and secure. We have made good progress at Shropshire House. Electric boilers are being installed and when this is completed, we will be able to disconnect the gas. This is scheduled for the end of February. We have engaged with all the residents within the building and they have been kept informed of developments every step of the way. Cadent Gas assessed the building in January as part of our monthly ongoing monitoring regime and they found no immediate reason to urgently switch off the gas. Don't demolish our theatre. Group opposes plans to raise buildings still fit for purpose. Members of an at-risk theatre have hit out at plans to demolish the building and replace it with a church hall and six flats. 
Intimate Theatre in Green Lane, Palmer's Green, has been deemed at risk by the Theatre Trust since 2019, after the plans were submitted to redevelop its site. The theatre is owned by the Roman Catholic Diocese of Westminster and St Monica's Catholic Church has used it as a parish community centre since 1988. St Monica's Players Theatre Group has hit out at the diocese's plans, claiming that the building is still perfectly fit for purpose. Warren McWilliams claimed that the group was still hopeful that the planned demolition can be halted. A petition launched in 2018 to save the locally listed building attracted more than 5,000 signatures. Mr McWilliams said, The venue still stands and we'd still love to be performing in it. We could have had four years now of pantomimes in there, filling the venue with music and laughter. Planning documents for the proposed development that would replace the theatre claim that the new parish centre would be more efficient and accessible. They add that it would incorporate a new, modern, energy-efficient and sustainable building. Current proposals also give space for a temporary performance stage within the new building, although Warren describes the suggestion as cosmetic and not an actual replacement. The diocese was approached for comment, but has yet to respond. The Intimate Theatre is not alone in the at-risk register and is joined by Tottenham Palace Theatre in Tottenham High Road. The Grade 2 listed theatre has been on the register since 2019 as it is suffering from water damage to both its structure and interior plasterwork. The Theatre's Trust said that although repair work has been carried out on the theatre, there is still a considerable amount to be done. Theatre's Trust Director John Morgan said, As the true impact of rising construction and energy costs, the cost of living crisis and squeezed council budgets becomes known, the challenge to secure the futures of theatres at risk will be more difficult than ever, and there is a real fear that more operational theatres may become at risk. Pair elected to Youth Parliament. Enfield youngsters Ruth Mobengi and Finley Willis are celebrating after being elected by their peers to the UK Youth Parliament. The results of the Enfield Youth elections were announced on January 27th at a special event at Enfield Civic Centre. Ruth Mobengi is 15 years old and from Enfield Lock. Finley Willis is 18 years old and from Bushill Park. Ruth and Finley's roles will be to represent the voices of young people from Enfield at UK Youth Parliament meetings and to oversee the Make Your Mark campaign in Enfield, which provides all young people aged 11 to 18 in the UK the chance to have a say on the biggest issues facing young people. The pair will also have opportunities to debate young people's issues at the House of Commons. The 2023 Enfield Youth Election appoints 20 young people as new members of the Enfield Youth Council, EYC, and two young people to the UK Youth Parliament. For more information, you can visit their website at youthenfield.taptub.co.uk forward slash Enfield Youth Elections. Gang members sent to jail for people smuggling. 
an organised crime group who smuggled more than a dozen Middle East nationals into the UK have been jailed for a combined 26 years. Seven members of the British Palestinian Network were sentenced on Friday, February the 10th, at Chelmsford Crown Court for conspiring to facilitate unlawful immigration through fraudulent documents. Four women and three men, aged between 24 and 51, were caught following an investigation by the Home Office's Criminal and Financial Investigation Unit, the CFI unit. The gang, including a woman from Enfield and a man from Tottenham, smuggled at least 14 immigrants into the UK from December 2017 to December 2018, including people from Palestine, Kuwait and Syria. Zara Mohammed, 30, of Enfield, was jailed for four years. Ismail Hussein, 48, of Tottenham, was sentenced to six years. Others in the gang who were sent to jail are Ferdos Imitiaz Ahmed, 29, of Feltham, and Musa Aoun, 24, from Shepherd's Bush, who both received four-year sentences. Zarina Abdullah, 51, of Leicester, was sentenced to three years, and Amana Tabhomet, 28, of Leicester, and Micaiah Marley, 29, of Watford, were jailed for two years and six months. Micaiah Marley pleaded guilty to conspiracy to facilitate the entry into the UK of asylum seekers, and the remaining six defendants were found guilty of the same offence at trial. Immigration Minister Robert Jenrick said, Today's sentences show that we will stop at nothing to tackle the despicable smuggling gangs and ensure that they are brought to justice. Thanks to our specialist teams, who work tirelessly to dismantle these international criminal networks, the smugglers are now behind bars. No one should be putting their lives in the hands of smuggling gangs by attempting to enter the UK illegally, which is why we will shortly introduce new legislation to ensure that anyone doing so is detained and swiftly returned home or to a safe third country. Investigators found the criminal network had access to around 240 European ID cards and passports. The majority of these were French documents. However, they also included Spanish, Portuguese, Italian and British documents. The gang organised 26 flights into the UK, of which 11 resulted in 14 undocumented migrants seeking asylum. Three resulted in the facilities being arrested and 12 flights were unsuccessful attempts. Members of the network, which was active across Europe, including in Belgium, France and Spain, 
also carried out two attempts through the border at Coquille in France and Hook van Holland in the Netherlands. Their crime started to unravel when border force officers stopped Ferdos Ahmed at Harwich Port, who was carrying a French ID card in someone else's name, Scotland said. A subsequent search of her phone found a collection of fraudulent documents and messages with other members of the gang, including her mother, Zarina Abdullah. Stuart Stokes, assistant director of the Crime and Financial Investigation Unit, said, CFI officers are working night and day to dismantle organised crime groups such as this. We will leave no stone unturned when it comes to investigating suspected people smugglers and bring them before the courts. Student wins regional final of public speaking event. Ethan Busula was crowned regional final champion after speaking about being gay and the challenges they faced when coming out and is now in line to take the title in Jack Petchy's Speak Out Challenge. The Enfield Grammar School pupil gave a prize-winning talk with a speech titled It Doesn't Get Better. In their speech, they said, Waiting for it to get better didn't change anything. I couldn't help it. But what I could help was myself and the way I chose to value myself. Amongst the audience was the worshipful mayor of Enfield, Councillor Doris Giag. Supporting the young voices in her borough, she explained... The speakers did very well. They were brilliant, with very, very good ideas. As we saw from our speakers tonight, if you have a passion for something, just stick to that and it will flow. After taking the title, Ethan said, I felt amazing standing up and delivering my speech. It couldn't have gone any better. The semi-final will be held later this year. Home's activities team makes a real difference. A care home has said what a difference its activities teams has made to both staff and residents. Staff and residents at Southgate Beaumont Care Home in Southgate, run by Barchester Healthcare, celebrated National Activity Providers Week at the end of January. Residents and staff wanted to express their gratitude to the wonderful activities team at the home, whose hard work and dedication make a real difference to the lives of the residents living there. National Activity Providers Week is an annual event to support and thank activity professionals. The team at Southgate Beaumont Care Home offers unique tailored activities and entertainment to the residents. Staff and residents say they always go above and beyond their role and for this, everyone at the home is truly grateful. As part of the celebrations, activity staff were treated to an afternoon tea. Head chef Daniel Brooks laid on a wonderful spread of delicious cakes for everyone to enjoy. Family and friends arrived throughout the afternoon to join in the fun with staff and residents. Residents also gave thanks with a presentation of a small gift. Beatrice Godfrey, General Manager, said, 
It is so wonderful to be able to celebrate National Activities Providers Week and thank our fantastic activities teams for all their hard work by organising something for them for a change. James Dawson, a resident at Southgate Beaumont, commented, We've all had such a lovely time today. It really is a joy to be able to thank our wonderful activities coordinators for all that they do. They really make such a difference each and every day. Tribunal finds managers a Kent of... I'll start that again. Tribunal finds managers' comments were offensive, but rules her dismissal procedure was unfair. A London underground manager who posted offensive, inflammable and racially divisive in quotes, posts on social media, was unfairly dismissed, an employment tribunal found. Tracy Webb, who worked as a train manager at the Seven Sisters Depot, was sacked over her online comments relating to the death of George Floyd and calling to bring back the death penalty over the death of Lee Rigby in 2013. An employment tribunal decided on December the 12th, 2022, that Miss Webb was unfairly dismissed and unlawfully deducted three weeks' pay. However, her claims that she was racially discriminated against were rejected after she stated her belief that she would have kept her job if she was not white. Miss Webb had been working in the company for about 32 years and was made trains manager at the depot in 2003. In the wake of the Black Lives Matter movement in 2020, after George Floyd was killed, Miss Webb shared posts on Facebook, such as one reading, The media and the left made George Floyd into a martyr. But who was he, really? The Post then listed alleged criminal convictions against him, including armed robbery and drug offences. Colleagues were shocked and took the matter to HR, who found the Post racially divisive at the time of a sensitive global topic. Responding to a comment... She referred to Floyd as scum and said, I, for one, am not sorry he's no longer here to hold a gun to another pregnant lady's stomach while robbing her in his own house. While the Employment Tribunal agreed the right to freedom of speech, the report states she chose to ignore the important issue of what the death revealed about historic and systemic racism. She shared another post in 2020 referring back to the death of Lee Rigby that had happened years ago, saying, No one rioted in the UK when two black men hacked Lee Rigby to death. Employment judge R. Wood wrote, This post too we find was offensive and inflammatory. 
we thought it especially concerning that she chose to use a rather historic incident of a very different nature, involving, as it did, an act of terrorism. The judge explained that Miss Webb's bosses were obliged to act as the white manager in charge of a large, ethnically diverse team, cause furor, and there was no apology from her. However, her dismissal was deemed unfair, as the person managing her appeal, Union Representative Daniel Howarth, did not review any of the material other than the four main Facebook posts. The judge wrote, Mr Howarth had predetermined the appeal and that it was his opinion that it was a box-ticking exercise. He repeated time after time, in response to all questions, that had the claimant shown remorse, then matters would have been different. This may well have been true. However, it was not the only issue in the case for him to determine. The union rep's demeanour may well have been robust, but his submissions should have been heard fairly and with an open mind. Accordingly, we find that the procedure, and therefore the dismissal, was, by reason of the flaws identified, unfair. In coming to this conclusion, we have regard to the size and administrative resources. It is clearly a very large organisation with access to in-house human resources and legal advice. Family of Missing Man Renew Appeal Agony as Police Divers Continue Search Police divers have undertaken a fresh search for man who has been missing for more than two weeks. Nathan Cole, 32, was last seen on CCTV in Banbury Road, Walthamstow, at 11.17pm on January the 21st. His family have launched a fresh appeal for information following his agonising disappearance. Officers have been searching the area around Wild Marshes, Lee River and Pims Brook. Sonar equipment and divers are being used to search the deeper waters. Police dogs are also involved and specialist policing units are in the process of reviewing hours of CCTV footage in the hope of gaining new evidence pointing to Nathan's location. On the night of February the 4th, Nathan's family and friends joined officers in an appeal for information in the area Nathan was last seen. Nathan's family said, The two-week anniversary appeal was an opportunity for us to interact with the local community members who spend their time in the area where Nathan was last seen. We just hope that the story of Nathan's disappearance continues to resonate with those who might have any information related to his disappearance on January the 21st. It's completely agonising not knowing whether or not Nathan is going to walk through the door and come back to us. We continue to hope that Nathan is still alive. The family also released a list of items that they believe were in Nathan's possession when he went missing. These include black headphones, a DJI Mini 2 drone with remote, a black shiny leather wallet, gloves which have the fingers cut off and glasses. 
Officers are encouraging anyone who may have seen or found these items to contact them. Detective Inspector Fiona Van Campen said, Nathan is a young man who appears to have vanished without a trace. Someone, somewhere, must know what happened to him. I would like to renew our appeal to any members of the public who may have seen Nathan since his disappearance in the night of January the 21st and 22nd, or who may have come across any of the possessions he had with him that night. Anyone who sees Nathan should call 999. Anyone with other information can call 101. Council's capital spending halves. New home scheme Meridian 4 set to see a huge drop of £93.5 million. Enfield Council's forecast spending on capital projects has almost halved as the authority continues to be hit by rising inflation and borrowing costs. The council is expected to spend £262.7 million on capital schemes, such as major building and renovation projects during the current financial year, 54% of the original £486.4 million budget. It represents a further decline on the £332 million capital spending that was forecast in September. The figures are set out in a report that was presented to a meeting of the Council's Cabinet on Wednesday last week. According to the report, the £6 billion Meridian Water Regeneration Scheme in Enfield is set to see the biggest drop in spending of £93.5 million, around £10 million more than was predicted in September. The report states that Meridian 4, which is expected to deliver more than 800 homes within the wider Meridian Water Development Zone, has experienced unprecedented cost inflation and that alternative delivery options are now being considered. Delays to part of the Meridian 1 project, the first site where construction has begun, have also contributed to the forecast underspend. Housing Gateway, which was set up by the Council to acquire homes to provide affordable rented accommodation for people on the borough's housing waiting list, has dropped plans to buy 31 properties because of the recent spike in interest rates. Spending on schools' maintenance and building work is set to be around £20 million below expectations with the report stating that it will be reprofiled into later years. Planned road resurfacing works have also been held up by cost inflation. By the end of October, 10,051 road defects works had been completed against a full-year target of 18,000 repairs. The cuts to capital spending mean the Council is forecast to borrow... £104.1 million less than expected during 2022-23. This has helped to bring the Council's expected debt level down from £1.33 billion to £1.17 billion. Tim Lever, the Council's Cabinet Member for Finance and Procurement, told the Cabinet meeting... 
This is about ensuring we make the right strategic decisions based on project needs. We have got rising interest rates, we've got increasing costs on the projects that we are undertaking, and in certain circumstances, we've got delays. Anger as Enfield misses out on levelling up cash. Enfield Borough has again been ignored in the latest round-up of levelling up funding announced by the government, prompting local leaders to slam the scheme. The Department for Levelling Up Housing and Communities last month doled out $2.1 billion of money from its much-touted levelling up fund after local authorities have been invited to bid for a portion of the cash. While neighbouring boroughs, Haringey, Barnet and Waltham Forest, all received something from the pot of money, including £20 million going towards the Tottenham Community Centre, Enfield Council received nothing after failing in both of its bids. The Council had requested £16.1 million to regenerate Angel Edmonton Town Centre, which would have been which would have seen Boundary Hall Community Centre redeveloped, Florence Hayes Recreation Ground redesigned, and new workspaces created. The Civic Centre had also hoped to win more money for its flagship environmental scheme, Enfield Chase Restoration Project with £18 million requested to help develop a leading outdoor cultural destination by transforming an old farm building into a visitor centre and creating a wild swimming pond, plus other facilities throughout the new woodland. Across England, only half of the areas receiving cash from the government scheme were listed among the 100 most deprived areas of the country. One successful bid was for a 45 million road improvement scheme in Kent. In London, just seven out of 32 borough councils won bids to the levelling up fund. The capital was allocated £151 million out of the total of £2.1 billion, representing the lowest amount per head of any UK region, a fact that didn't stop many media outlooks criticising Prime Minister Richie Sunak for giving too much money to the capital. In Enfield, council leader Nessil Kalikskan reacted angrily to the government's stub. She said... How can it be right that Edmonton, the 71st most deprived constituency in the country, misses out on a transformational £16 million plan, while Rishi Sunak's constituency, the 450th most deprived, gets £19 It's time communities weren't forced to go cap in hand for crumbs, while our budgets are cut every year thanks to the government crashing the economy. These bidding bingo rounds are not a helpful approach. 
we need long-term, sustainable funding and powers to help deliver deprived areas' success. Edmonton MP Kate Ozamore was also critical. In a letter to Secretary of State Michael Grove, she wrote, It is disheartening to see that the announced funding includes projects that have little to do with levelling up. I urge you to re-evaluate the allocation of funds through the Leveling Up Fund and ensure that funding is directed towards the communities that truly need it. Gove, announcing the launching of the second round of Leveling Up funding last month, said, We are firing the starting gun on more than 100 transformational projects in every corner of the UK that will revitalise communities that have historically been overlooked but are bursting with potential. This new funding will create jobs, drive economic growth and help to restore local pride. We are delivering on the people's priorities, levelling up across the UK to ensure that no matter where you are from, you can go as far as your talents will take you. Sunak added, through greater investment in local areas, we can grow the economy, create good jobs and spread opportunity everywhere. Enfield Council had also previously launched a bid to win investment zone status for its flagship housing project, Meridian Water, but the government scheme was quietly ditched following the resignation of former Prime Minister Liz Truss, who had tried to claim it as one of the few highlights of her shortest-ever premiership. Nearly half of Enfield children in care moved outside Borough. Shortage of available care placements and cost-of-living crisis blamed for problems. Children are being placed into care miles away from friends and family in Enfield as a nationwide shortage of placements is exacerbated by the cost-of-living crisis. A council report revealed almost half of looked-after children were placed outside of the borough as of September last year, and officers said some were living around 100 miles away in the Midlands and beyond. The report, which was presented to a meeting of the Children, Young People and Education Scrutiny Panel last month, shows that in September there were 212 looked-after children placed within the borough and 181 in other local authority areas. A shortage of placements, which is affecting the whole country, is also pushing up costs for councils. The report revealed that the average weekly fee in Enfield for residential care has increased from around £3,000 to £5,000 per week during the past three years. Ramasasi Ramasubramanian, the council's head of access to resources integrated services, told the meeting that the majority of the local authorities' placements were within the borough, but the children that go into externally commissioned placements are being placed out of the borough. Under questioning from panel member Suna Huaman, Ramasasi said some children are going as far as even the Midlands and beyond, 100 miles away, which is worrying. 
The report warned that placing young people a long way from their parents, school and social networks consistently leads to poor outcomes for children. Anne Stoker, the Council's Director of Children and Family Services, said the Civic Centre's priority was to place children as close to Enfield as possible, although she pointed out that it is sometimes beneficial for children to be placed outside of London for safety reasons. As well as a shortage of children's homes, one of the most significant problems affecting the sector is a lack of foster carers, which officers warned was being exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic and the cost of living crisis. Anne said a significant number of foster carers had been resigning this year because it is a struggle for them to continue to to deliver as a foster carer. Officers detailed a range of measures being taken by the council to help tackle the shortages. These include increasing allowances and fees paid to Enfield foster carers, expanding children's home provision and helping high-risk care leavers to access council tenancies sooner. Foster carers are also set to benefit from one-off payments of £300 to help with fuel costs, grants to build loft conversions that will allow them to take on more children, and golden hello payments of £1,000 for those switching from agencies to the council. The council is planning to advertise and promote Enfield's fostering service on buses and billboards in the borough. In addition, existing foster carers have been asked to host recruitment events in their homes for people in their network or their friends' networks who may be interested in fostering. Enfield Council needs to start listening to local residents. In our latest councillor's column, Oakwood's Conservative representative, Julian Sampson, laments the council's slow response to local complaints. All politics is local, so says a well-worn phrase, telling us that no matter how high-minded our political views, what really matters to people is what happens at street level. Since I was elected in May last year, I've received more than 300 emails from Oakwood residents. Of those, approximately 20% were about bin collections, another 20% about trees and verges, and 12% about local planning issues. These are the local issues which are on residents' minds every day, and these are the local issues that politics is about. But that doesn't make them easy to resolve. Another 20% of the emails I have received were about an outbreak of Japanese knotweed in an area maintained by Enfield Council. This invasive plant species can cause significant damage to property, and people were understandably concerned. Residents first brought this to my attention in July, when I raised it as a formal inquiry with the council. But we didn't get a substantive response from the council until late September, and that was only after we'd highlighted the issue in a story published by the dispatch. Sadly, this isn't the only issue on which the council has been slow to act. A resident also contacted me in July to say the grass verges opposite his house had not been cut. No big deal, you might think, and a typical Western Enfield issue. But these verges had grown so much that they were trapping litter, obstructing sight lines and causing a hazard to traffic and pedestrians. 
After we got involved, it took a further six months for the council to carry out this relatively straightforward task. And this only took place after an exhaustive change, sorry, chain of formal inquiries, correspondence with local officers, and finally an email to the very top of the council. In both of these cases, residents told us that they'd been trying to get the council to take action for ages to no avail. Why does it happen like this? Why do issues like this take so long to resolve? It's as if local residents' concerns don't matter to the council. You can also see this in the Labour Administration's persistence with plans for tower blocks at tube station car parks, to lease White Webb's Park to Tottenham Hotspur for a pittance, and to continue with its low-traffic neighbourhoods, all in the face of clear local opposition. To try to avoid debating these local issues, Labour councillors often submit emergency motions on national issues be it Boris Johnson at a full council on the 13th of July or Liz Truss, a full council on the 12th of October. While they are subjects on which Enfield residents may have an opinion, they are not issues on which the council can do anything other than virtue signal. Going back to those 300 emails, can you guess how many mentioned Boris Johnson or Liz Truss that's right, none of them. And now, a bit of sport. Town draw positives after Thompson sees red. A late girl earns point after the captain's dismissal. Enfield Town had to settle for a point after a 1-1 draw with lowly Wingate and Finchley in their latest Isthmian League Premier Division outing on Saturday. They had to play for close to an hour with only ten men after Captain Scott Thomas was shown a straight red card but grabbed a share of the spoils thanks to a late goal from Lyle Della Verde. But assistant manager Mario Notto looked at the positives with his boss Andy Lease serving a one-goal ban. Definitely a point gained, said Notto. We hadn't really got a foothold in the game and even after the sending off had to go positive so we decided to go two up top in the second half. In the end, we might have nicked it. The boys off the bench did really well to impact the game. It is not always easy against these teams who are fighting for their lives. Despite having won six of their previous seven matches, and playing to a 700-strong crowd taking advantage of the club's public services day offer, Town was strangely passive in the first half. Wingate went close when Accio Barney's free kick came back off the crossbar, but got their noses in front on 28 minutes, with a stunning strike from Antonis Vassiliou, who showed incredible technique to score with a sensational overhead cook. Thomas was dismissed following a clash with Wingate's Ben Siggers soon after, reacting to a, angrily to a challenge. And the home side's best chance of the first half fell to Sam Young's. Town's ten men switched to a 3-4-2 formation in the second half as Jake Cass replaced 
Marcus Wiley, to partner Adam Cunnington in attack. And they began to dominate proceedings, pushing Wingate back without seriously testing visiting keeper Ben Goode. Youngs blasted narrowly wide when a free kick fell into his path, but was then fouled by Ola Williams, who was given his marching orders for a second bookable offence. And Town got themselves back on level terms from the resultant 85th minute free kick as Della Verde saw his effort deflected into the net by Wingate's defensive wall. After hosting Brightlingley Sea Regent in midweek, Town head to Canvey Island on Saturday and Folkestone in Victor next Tuesday. That's February the 21st. School pupils get a touch of World Cup glory. World Cup winner Christian Romero surprised children at Suffolk's Primary School in Enfield Highway when he dropped by last month, along with his winner's medal. The Tottenham Hotspur defender featured in all seven of Argentina's matches in Qatar as he helped his nation lift the biggest prize in world football, with a dramatic penalty shootout eventually seeing them over the line after a thrilling final against defending champions France. In January, Romero visited Suffolk's to share a piece of the team's glory and even took part in a football session delivered by Tottenham Hotspur Foundation, taking time to give students some football tips, sign autographs and take photos. His visit forms part of the wider work the club and its charitable foundation is doing to create life-changing opportunities and experiences for young people. Speaking at the event, Romero said, It was great to come to Suffolk's primary school and have the chance to meet the students and share my winner's medal with them. It's important to give back to our community and hopefully I've inspired the children and given them a day to remember. James Wheeler, deputy head teacher at Suffolk's Primary School, said, It's been brilliant having World Cup winner Christian Romero come in and surprise the children today. Having him bring in and show his gold medal is incredibly inspirational to the students and helps to remind them that hard work pays off. A big thank you to Tottenham Hotspur for making this happen. One student added, I loved watching the World Cup, so to meet Romero was a dream come true. He helped us learn some new, great new football skills and it was really cool to see his gold medal. Spurs have relationships with local primary schools across Enfield and pupils are often invited to the club's Hotspur Way Training Centre in Bulls Cross to take part in football sessions. Southgate Hockey Club seek league attendance record on Super Saturday. Southgate Hockey Club hopes to break the domestic league attendance record at a special Super Saturday event on March 4th. The attempt will centre around a double header of two matches as their women host Bishop Stortford before the men take on Old Latonians in a potential promotion decider. Southgate will bring in a big screen, stadium seating, local schools and community groups, as well as commentators, TV cameras and a brass band. And games will also be live-streamed on the club website and social media accounts. Club secretary Alistair Watley said, Hockey is a fantastic game to watch live, and Southgate is fortunate to have a wonderful facility in the middle of Trent Park, just 35 minutes from the centre of London. 
inspired by the work of other clubs and the Y1 Hockey Championships, we want to up our game and set the bar a notch higher. We hope our March 4 Super Saturday will bring a new local audience to hockey and give them a great day out. It's ambitious, exciting, and the scale of what we're attempting is only just a bit intimidating. We may not get it 100% right, but we're giving it everything and hope others in the wider hockey family will follow and continue to push the envelope of what hockey can be. The idea to try and break the record was inspired by an article in the hockey paper which suggested the mark stood at around 700. Club chairman Neil Murphy added, The record is a bit of fun, has already generated a fair bit of interest on social media. Nobody really knows what the record attendance is. We hope to count over a 1,000 on March 4th. That will be a record for us and possibly a record for the league as far as we understand it. Top hockey should attract crowds. Southgate Hockey Centre was built for this. It's time we started to deliver on this ambition. The men's team topped the table, pushing for promotion to the Premier Division. And head coach Quan Brown said, As a player, coach and supporter, I'm incredibly excited to be part of Southgate's push to create an enjoyable player and supporter experience. Attracting kids from all backgrounds and areas to hockey could only be positive, and if one kid a few years from now picks up hockey because of this event, it will have been a success. Profits from the day will be donated to three charities, including Worldwide Cancer Research and the North London Hospice, where women's third-team captain, Caroline O'Brien, sadly passed away earlier this season. Members Ella Duthie and Lewis Hollett will also run the London Marathon in aid of both charities, with money also being raised on the day for the Southgate Sports and Leisure Trust, which helps care for and look after the centre for the community and future generations to enjoy. Gates open from midday, but parking is limited and spectators are advised to use public transport. The matches are due to start at 3.30pm and 5.30pm and priority booking is open for schools, sorry, is open for schools, groups and hospitality tickets at southgatehc.org.uk forward slash Southgate Super Saturday. We have reached the end of our programme for this week. Thank you for listening. So, from the team of Ali, Mary and Chris, and Hass on the controls, it's goodbye. Goodbye. Please remember to turn over the address label in your postal packet, put the memory stick into the packet in a closed position, and return it to us as soon as possible. In readiness for the next edition. Don't forget you can call Diane de Jersey regarding any help you may require in connection with Enfield Talking newspaper on 07899-854-582. The Enfield Talking newspaper will be with you again in one week's time. Music.